let's just come and center ourselves and just pause for a moment and come into prayer before we come and listen to God's word and delve into that for us today. Let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks that we can come and worship you. Give us, we give you thanks that we, that we are able to actually read your word in our language in a format that makes sense for us. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us and open up your word for us again, afresh and new to us today. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now, as, as both Kerry and Cameron have alluded to this and, and mentioned specifically, that the book Galatians, while it is a short book, it's six chapters, it is dense with information, dense with concepts and ideas and, and, and challenges us. So we're kind of taking a quick view through Galatians. We could slow down and take a little bit longer. And I'm going to slow down a little bit today. And we're, we're actually going to stretch it out just a little bit from what we had originally planned. But today I want to actually pick up where, where Cameron left off and kind of the, the notion that he had... Uh, and, and ended, he, because if you actually read Galatians, we're in chapter three and four at the moment, and it's interesting, have you ever noticed that when the Bible is broken up into chapters, sometimes they break them up at what seems inconvenient places? And as I was reading through chapter four, which is where I was meant to start preaching and, and, and looking at, I'm going, it makes no sense unless you actually go back to chapter three and Paul has a continuous thought process from, from Galatians chapter 3, verse, verses 23 through to chapter 4, verse 7. So we need to be careful when we're reading the Bible that the, the way that it's broken up sometimes tricks us into thinking that each new chapter is a new thought or a new uh, concept that helps us understand that. So it, it's there to help us understand it, break it down, but sometimes it tricks us into that. So today I'm going to be looking across from Galatians 3, um, verse 26 through to 4, verse 7. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can pull them out, you know, if it's on your phone or whatever device you have or physical Bible that you've got, you can pull it out with me and, and we're going to explore into that. But we'll also put it up on the screens for you. But in order to do this, I'm going to actually look at this section through a couple of lenses. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, whenever we read the Bible, whenever we read the Bible, we actually view it through our lenses that we place in front of our eyes, you know, through particular ways that we look at it, whether it's our worldview, political view, our history that we have, we always bring something to the Bible when we read it. So I'm going to name how I'm going to be talking about Galatians today, um, and hopefully that will help you see what is coming out of that book for us. So firstly, I'm going to explore this through story. Story is important and significant. Story helps us actually understand concepts. And if we actually look at the Bible, we actually see that there is a 
a story arc that starts right at the beginning of Genesis and flows all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, into the church, um, as we have it, the new church and the letters that we're exploring now, there is a story that is flowing through there. And it's important for us to actually understand that story has movement. How many people have watched a movie? Oh, good. That's, that's good to see. You know? you know, for those online, put up your hand. I can't see you, but put up your hand anyway. Have you noticed that what happens in a movie, and especially good movies, and, and let's, let's not just restrict it to movies, a, a good book, you know, classic books, modern books, whatever it is, they have, it's what's known as a story, it has a narrative, it has a beginning place, and it also has complications, it has places where there is sadness or hope, but then it also moves to the ending where there's resolution and answer and finality. The thing is, we actually have to understand where we are in our own life, in our history of who we are, where we are, where are we in this story that God has painted for all of creation. And that will actually help us understand what Paul is talking about as he talks about God's children through faith. He is going to help us understand that we are not back at the beginning. We're not back in Genesis, we're not back in Leviticus, we're not back in the Old Testament, that we have moved forward and we have the victory won in Christ. That's where we place ourselves in this story. So that's one lens that we are going to look through. The other lens that we're going to look through is through discipleship. And the reason I talk about discipleship and, and, and the lens that we're going to use to look at that as discipleship is that discipleship is actually what Jesus charged the apostles, his followers with, to go and make disciples. And the early church was all about making disciples, about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to all of the world. So I'm going to use that lens of discipleship we're also going to have that other, other lens that we have here, that we are going to stand in Christ alone, which has been the theme and the concept that both Kerry and Cameron have continued to bring us, that what Paul is saying here to the Church of Galatia is that it is not Christ and something else. It is not Christ and the style of music. It is not Christ and the law. It is not Christ, it is Christ alone. So we stand in the story that Christ has won us, has freed us, has paid the price, and we are set free. So we stand in the story at that point, and we don't look back to the beginning where it was the law, but we look forward to the future of Christ's 
inheritance for us, that we are heirs, that we are children of God. So if we're thinking about discipleship, if we're thinking about being a disciple of Jesus, there's a, there's a couple of things that I want us to actually understand for ourselves and, and, and keep in mind that discipleship requires more of us. Let me say this, discipleship requires more of us. Often we think discipleship is, is fulfilled by turning up to church, whether it be in person or online, but it actually means that it places God at the centre of everything, the central place of our lives. Being a disciple of Jesus is more than just reading the Bible once a week or praying just in front of food that's in front of you, grace. It's actually about having a real, authentic relationship with God and a God who loves you. It's actually having that, you know, come deep into us. Following Jesus is, is actually meant to be the central purpose of our lives. It's not Jesus plus something else, is it? The centrality of Jesus and centrality of Christ is what it means for us. Being a disciple of Jesus actually requires real commitment. It involves life change. It involves knowing the story of salvation, of Jesus on our lives. As a Christian who takes discipleship seriously, is a Christian who takes Jesus and the gospel seriously. Discipleship is the way we show that we take Jesus, his words, his, his ways, his words and his works seriously and we implement them in our lives. It's not that what we do creates salvation, it's because we are saved that we change and we take on board what Jesus has for us. Discipleship, I want to say this, is an ongoing process that will last the whole of our life and will touch every part of our being. So with these lenses of the arc of the story flowing through, of discipleship and of the centrality of Christ, that it is Christ alone that we stand in our faith, let us look at the passage right now. Let us pull out our Bibles. We're going to put the, the words up on the screen for those that want to follow along there as well. So let me read it to you. From Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. So what Paul is doing is, can you see the story arc? He's saying before Jesus came, before we actually had faith in Christ, we were kept under the law, bringing it back we, over here, the beginning. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now the way of faith has come, we can no longer, 
we no longer need the law as our guardian. So it's not, not to say the law has disappeared, it has just changed its nature. It is no longer sitting there as guardian because Jesus has paid the price for us. Jesus has fulfilled the law. Coming back to verse 26, for you are all children of God through faith in who? Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You and his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Coming back into the story, as both Kerry and Cameron have been explaining over the last two weeks, Paul is talking to the church at Galatia because there have been some Jews that have been coming in that have been putting false teaching in front of them. They're saying it is Jesus plus is going to go back to the way that it was. It was about the law, not about the salvation in Christ. It was also challenging the fact that what people were saying, unless you take on the law, unless you become like us, unless you are born of the line, then you couldn't be children of Abraham. But what Paul is saying here is because of you have faith in Christ, that you stand in faith in Christ alone, that you can be called the true children. It's not through your actions, it's not through your lineage, it's not through the work that is happening, it is because of what Christ has done. And that way we can be called the true children of Abraham. It means that we have taken all of the promises that are there, the story is moving through, and we can claim the promise because of what Christ has done. Then we come into chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. So here he's actually talking about the Israelites, those people who've been coming and they had the inheritance of God, but they hadn't taken on at all yet because they hadn't actually come of age, which is come through Christ's life, his death on the cross and his resurrection. It hasn't come through because Christ gives us the salvation to all people. It goes on, it says, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. 
Think of the story. We were in, and I'm going to give you the big meta-narrative right now. We were in perfect relationship, perfect harmony with God in the beginning when we were made, yet we chose to not place God in the centre of our lives. And so God removed himself from us that because we chose our own path, we had our own free will and we chose not to listen to God. And then through all of history, God has been there making covenant over time and again with the people. But we continue to choose not to follow in God's ways. The law had been given so that we can know what is the right way to live, so that we may become closer to God, what God expects of us. But but it's not fulfilled. It's not fulfilled until Jesus comes. And Jesus being the son of God, God very himself, he takes upon all of the sins of the world according to the system of sacrifice and brings all of that to completion so that we are free. He died for us but he rose to new life to show that we have new life as well, that he has the power over sin and over death and can give us life everlasting. We are in that place. We are no longer sitting back at the beginning of the story. We are at the climax, the completion of the story, where we are God's own children. We have been adopted into God's family through what Christ has done. So we stand there in Christ alone saying yes. We've been adopted as God's very own children. In verse 6, and because... We are his children. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, that close relationship, that prayer, that deep prayer that Jesus prayed before he was crucified. We have that same relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. We can come and say, Father, in that same close language. For we are no longer a slave, but God's own children. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So in other words, we have all of the rights of the kingdom of God, all of the joy of the life everlasting given to us because we have been adopted as God's own children. What a glorious thing for us. That is the story. But why do I want to say it's important for us to look at this in discipleship? It's because the early church had been, and and us as well, has been teaching about Jesus. It is about people encountering the risen Lord Jesus Christ. It is about people understanding who Jesus is, what his words were, what he did, 
for us on the cross. It's not Jesus plus something else. So when we think about discipleship, when we're making disciples, we're making disciples of Jesus. We're not making disciples of Simon. We're not making disciples of New Beginnings Uniting Church. We're not making disciples of anything else. We make disciples of Jesus. And it's about who Jesus is. And so when I ask, are we making disciples? The answer is yes, we are making disciples of Christ, of Jesus Christ. Not of ourselves, not of the clones of, of, of spiritual giants, not of past things, but of Jesus. It means to be a follower of Jesus. Let me remind you of what the commission was that Jesus gave to his disciples that the early church was trying to live out. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The promise that God is going to be with you. So the question is, are we, like that early church, are we involved in making disciples? Are we living out this call upon our life? Do we speak about God's love that is there for us or do we speak about the law and the behaviours that we need to fulfil do we talk about the story as though we are back at the beginning and we've been sinful or do we talk about the story because it's been fulfilled? Do we talk about the story and who Jesus is because of what has happened and what we have and what comes out of us because of that? Do we share the love of Jesus with those around us? Do we allow the Holy Spirit, the promise of God's gifts to be upon us? Do we allow the talents that God has given us to be used to spread the kingdom's message of love, of being heirs of God, of being children of God, of being brought into that fold? Are we teaching others who are within our influence? That, you know, people that we know, families, friends, neighbours. And with the advent of all that is in front of us, people in different parts of the world, are we teaching others to be followers of Jesus Christ? Are we proclaiming the way by the way we live, by the way we speak, by the way we act, that we have been saved in Jesus Christ? It's about making disciples. It's about making disciples of Jesus and Jesus alone. It's about standing in Christ alone that promise that God has given us.
Let me just repeat what Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 to 6 shares with us. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us all who were slaves to law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, that close relationship with God that we have. Let us look for opportunities to get involved. Let us look for opportunities to focus upon sharing Jesus. Let us look for opportunities to share just about Jesus. Not about the latest newfangled thing, but about Jesus. It was interesting. I, I was actually listening to a book this morning as I was going on my really early morning walk. And, and one of the things it challenged us to do was to help centre ourselves again back in the Word of God, centre ourselves back into our relationship with God, centre ourselves back into just Jesus. And like Kerry and Cameron, I'm going to issue a little bit of a challenge for you. The thing that I heard this morning, and it was a challenge for me as well, is that so often we consume material, whether, whether it be news that is given to us in, by, by watching the news reports or by reading, or we, we, we sit online and we scroll through Facebook or Instagram or, or, or TikTok or whatever it is and we, we spend enormous amounts of time just getting information. Whether it's good or bad, we're just gaining information. We spend more time consuming information than we do actually spending time in the Word of God or in prayer. We often fire off a quick prayer when we're sitting down to eat or when there's a trouble at hand. We may subscribe to a verse of the day and that might be all that we ever read. If we want to know the story of God, if we want to share God's message, if we want people to be disciples of Jesus Christ, how are we going to show those people who Jesus is if we, all we do is spend time in the media on, on Instagram or TikTok or watching the news or any of those if we don't spend time in God's word? If we don't spend time in relationship with God in prayer, how are we going to share that story? The challenge is for you this week, if you wish to take it up, for those of us that work in, the, in, in modern media and social media and all those things, count up the number of hours across the week that you spend on Instagram or Facebook or any, any of those social media channels and spend that same amount of time in the Word of God. 
those that may not use social media in the same way as our younger people do, count up the number of hours you spend watching the nightly news or daily news and spend the same amount of time in the Word of God. Discipleship is a challenge. Discipleship calls us to step up and do more. But we don't step up and do more. It's not through what we do that helps us. It is through Christ alone that we are saved. It is not through the works that we do. It's not following the law. It's not Jesus plus something else. The reason this challenge is there for us is so that we can know who Jesus is for ourselves that we can know the promise, that we can know the story, that we can know that it is Christ alone. God is doing incredible things in the world around us. And God is doing incredible things in this church as well. God is waiting for you to say, here I am. Use me, Lord. Let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, each time we take your word and we look at it, there is always something fresh, something new for us to, to see. Lord, help us to understand your word afresh and anew for us, each and every time. Lord, challenge our hearts today. Challenge our hearts to see that it is you alone that saves us. In Christ alone. Lord, I place my life in your hands. I place my life so that I may be made new. And if God is stirring your heart right now, stirring your heart to put aside your former life, what has been happening and saying, I want to stand in Christ alone. I encourage you to pray this with me. Lord God, I know that I have sinned. I know that I have fallen short of your glory. I know that I have placed myself as centre of everything. Lord, help me to make myself less and you more every day of my life. Lord, help me to place you as center. Lord, help me to realize that you have won it all. 
and yet you make us your children. Lord, I want to be one of your children. I want to be an heir of your family. I want the grace that you pour upon us. And Lord, please accept this sinner who comes to you with humble heart, knowing that you will answer this prayer. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.